Loving Lord, we confess that what we sang is true. We're like wandering sheep. We're prone to leave the path. We're prone to go our autonomous, self-centered way. Thank you, loving shepherd, that you go after lost sheep. Thank you, loving shepherd, that you never leave us on our path of destruction. Here is my heart. Seal it today and in this season of Lent to follow hard after you. Meet with us, we pray, in this chapel for the glory of your Son, Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So we're in the season of Lent. Began a week ago today, Ash Wednesday. You're probably familiar with that. Ash Wednesday reminds us of the temporal nature of our lives. From dust you have come, God says in Genesis chapter 3, and from dust you will return. Kind of a pleasant thought, right? Said with a bit of sarcasm, you're dust and you're going back into the ground to become dust again. It's so important for us to humble ourselves. And the season of Lent takes us in that direction, as does all of the Christian year. You may not be familiar with the Christian year calendar. Maybe you're, the church you go up and didn't celebrate it. But the Christian calendar is our friend. And it's all about Jesus. Because the Christian calendar just celebrates the life of Jesus from birth until ascension. So it's all about Jesus. It's not about rules, regulations, following certain practices. It's about pointing to Jesus. And the season of Lent is that great season of preparation that helps us get ready to remember the most significant event in all of time. In fact, the event that redefined all of history, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. And that event is so cataclysmic, we need time to prepare and remember and become like our Savior in his death. We need 40 days, patterned after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, 40 years of fasting in Jesus' life before he began his public ministry. Minus the Sundays, of course, which are little Easter's. You remember in our Advent service, we talked about Advent as being a time to learn to wait. Notice this slide. Advent, learning to wait. In Lent, we're learning to die. That is not intended to be a morbid statement. It's the reality of the pattern of life that the Lord Jesus invites us into, learning to die. Dying to ourself, our selfishness, our sinfulness, our wandering way. The sheep that says, I've got this. <laughs> I actually remember sheep are so dumb, as scripture says, they don't say, I've got this. The only thing they say is, I got another nibble of grass. They just keep following, right, till they fall off the cliff. Lent reminds us that we are, in fact, temporal beings. And self-denial is the ketone, if you will, for the season of Lent. I know that's uncomfortable. And many of you would say, I just as soon skip from this chapel right now. This doesn't sound like anything pleasant that I'm going to enjoy. 
But I want to remind you that this space right here, look around for a moment, this space, Christ Chapel, is sacred space. And above all, what we do in this space is meet with the Lord. This is a time that he speaks into our hearts and that we listen and we respond and our lives have changed. Some of you are already nodding in your heart saying, I know, I've been changed in this space because that's what this space is for. It's not a lecture hall. It's not a performance hall. Those things happen on occasion. I'm sorry to say, right? We're all sorry to say. But obviously we have to use this space wisely. But it's sacred space. Particularly this morning, it's sacred space. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised. He'll be murdered. He'll be raised. Disciples aren't getting that yet. Then he goes on to say this. Then he said to all those disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now you connect that to his previous sentence. Denying yourself and taking up your cross means death. Death to self. Die to myself. Take up my cross. Be murdered with Jesus and follow him in his path to the cross and, fortunately, to the open tomb. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. That's the principle and that's the theme. That's the focus of the season of Lent. If you want to save your life, you probably shouldn't have chosen to come to a Christian college. Go on your own and make your way. Because you already know, being here at Cornerstone, we are not only interested in giving you a solid education, we're interested in repeatedly, lovingly inviting you to give up your life and become a servant of the king and the kingdom so that you can go out and impact the world for Christ and his kingdom. So that's what Jesus calls us. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to think about dying. You have to think about dying to yourself, your desires, some of you are saying right now, I didn't sign up for this. You know? Just give me the education and leave my life alone. The bad news, we have to die. The good news, after death comes resurrection. Jesus said it must be killed and now that third day be raised. You die, you rise. So the season of Lent reminds us to be introspective enough to say, what do I need to die to? You say, do we just wait for Lent for that? No, no. And we don't wait for Advent to anticipate Jesus coming. We do it all year long, right? But we need seasons to remind us of the significant postures of the soul for the Christian. And one of those postures of the soul, an important one according to what Jesus says is, examine your life. Look at what Paul says. Here's Paul's story. He says it this way in Galatians 2. I have been crucified, murdered, killed with Christ. And I no longer live. I'm dead. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, the physical flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul connects with that idea of crucifixion as well. Paul says, I have been metaphorically, spiritually reality crucified with Christ. Look what he says in Romans chapter 6. All of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his, say it together, we are therefore what? With him through baptism into 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He goes on, our old self was with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. The only way for this sinful body, this life, this pattern, these habits to be done away with is to be crucified with Christ. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has, has been set free from sin. Thank you, Paul. In other words, we need to live in baptismal life. There's the picture. We need to live in our baptism. That's what Martin Luther said, walk in your baptism. And we see it every time we come into chapel, don't we? We're reminded of Jesus' baptism. We're reminded of our death. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in resurrection life, newness of life. Beautifully pictured here every time we come into Christ's chapel. So, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Sing it from your heart. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Honestly. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Paul's story, look at Jesus' example. He says this in John 12. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and it remains only a single seed. But if it, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Same message as Jesus in Luke 9, right? Jesus was speaking about himself. Unless my body, this kernel of wheat, falls into the ground and dies, my life, that, that would be the end, these good things I've done. But if I die and go into the ground as a kernel of wheat, my resurrection will produce countless, countless seeds for God's glory. And it's true for you as well. And that's the window you see every single time you come into Christ's chapel. Christ on the cross. And thanks to Peter Brandis, the Danish artist, and builder and installer of these magnificent windows. I remember when he was here explaining the meaning of these. What's coming out of Jesus' right hand? Seeds. He's scattering in his death and resurrection the seeds, the kernels of wheat that fall into the ground and die, that will produce fruit beyond imagine, fruit beyond compare, more fruit than you can number, more fruit than you can count. He must die. He did. We must die.
Apostle Paul told us the story of crucifixion and resurrected living. Jesus Christ modeled death and resurrection living, fruitful living that only comes after death. And by the way, Lent reminds us that we not only die once physically and not just once spiritually, we die over and over and over again. Take up your cross daily. Multiple, countless deaths in our lives where we say no to sin, no to self, and yes to Jesus and fruitful living because you can't bear fruit on your own no matter how good you are. And a lot of you are pretty good. <laughs> Here's our choice. Look at this verse. Jesus again in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, if you walk with me to death and resurrected living, that'll be pretty cool. And here's what will happen. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There it is, friends. There's your choice. Your life zero without Jesus. Or your life countlessly, innumerably fruitful with Jesus. The power of his help. That's the choice. That's the choice that all of us have to make. Live for self. Die to self. Bear fruit. So Lent invites us into this renewed allegiance. Lent helps us learn to die. So this is a season of listening. Listening to God. And first of all, we need to hear what he feels about us. We need to hear how deeply, how unconditionally he loves us. So when you think about dying to sin and the uncomfortableness you have with the sin in your life, don't hear this. God's a judge. He's holy. You're sinful. You better get right or go to hell. Relationship with God doesn't start with his holiness and, and his His. Uh, vindictive nature because he doesn't have that his holiness is beautifully loving unconditionally loving that's the first thing we need to hear when we think about looking at our lives and what we need to die to listen to these verses from psalm 103 praise the lord O my soul and forget not all of his benefits who forgives your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. 
He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Thank you. 
Do you hear his voice this morning? It's a season of Lent. It's a season of listening to him. The first thing he wants you to hear is that he loves you. Do you hear him saying that? Are your ears open? Is your heart open to hear God say, I love you? There's nothing that you have done or haven't done. There's nothing you have thought, spoken, acted on in a sinful way that changes the fact that God's divine embrace is sure. He loves you. And some of you don't feel loved. Some of you have heard enough hateful words in your life, demeaning words, degrading words, that your self-esteem is pretty rock bottom. And you even wonder if you are lovable. You hear God saying, I love you. That's the first thing he wants to say to us in the season of Lent. The second thing we want to listen for is how he wants us to love him more faithfully. So Lent invites us into self-examination and that's simply listening. Now I know full well that most of us in this room don't like that. In fact, that's a part of our wandering. We close our ears and stop up our ears whenever we think the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to us about something in our life because it's uncomfortable. But his love, his love invites us into that kind of honest scrutiny because it's not hateful. He's not going to point at us and judge us and beat us up for the wrong things we've done. His love invites us into honest self-examination. And that's the beautiful part of Lent, listening to him and saying, Lord, you love me. What do you want to change in me? What do you want to change in me today during this season of Lent? And here's the cool thing. He doesn't fix us all at once. We'd go crazy if he said, okay, here are the list of your sins. Let's deal with them today. It's one at a time, thanks be to God, one at a time. So if you're listening to him and asking what needs to change, look at these verses in Psalm 19. The psalmist says, who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. There's some things that I don't even know that's wrong with me. They're hidden. Lord, show me what's hidden that I don't know about myself. Keep your servant also from willful sins, the ones that I know full well and I just haul off and do whenever I want to. Thank you very much. May they not rule over me. So we're listening for sins that we know about, sins that we don't know. Now the psalmist, David, says this in Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. So right now, in this Lenten chapel, I'm inviting you to honest self-examination and saying, God, search me. Just point out something that you want to change in my life. 
How absolutely hope-filled is that? That he wants to redeem a corner of our lives this morning. It takes courage. Remember what Jesus said to the church in Revelation 3, verse 20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we'll eat together and have fellowship. That's not written to unbelievers. That's not knocking at the door of the unsaved person's heart. He's writing that to the church. If any member of my family who has closed the door to my will in their lives will hear me knocking and open the door, I will come in and we'll talk. This is the time, friends, for space. I'm not asking you to confess your sin. I'm not asking you to get uncomfortable naming that sin at all. I'm just inviting you to listen to what the Lord says about your heart. Open the door. Invite him to stay.
So I'm wondering what the Lord said to you. I'm not asking you, of course. Just inviting you again to listen to his voice. What did he, what did he put his finger on? What did he say? I want to heal this in your life today. So if you took that step, that courageous step to listen to the Lord, perhaps you'll be courageous enough to take one more step. And that is agree with what the Lord said to you. It takes courage to listen. It takes courage to name the sin. And when we agree with the Lord, we're naming the sin we're confessing the sin. And there's nothing more powerful than when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about your sin. Your parent can, an RA can, a professor can, but there's something very powerful when the Holy Spirit speaks. His voice cuts to the core of our soul, and it hurts so good. Like Eustace, the undragoning of Eustace. Remember that? That voyage of the Dawn Treader. I won't go there, but it's a great story. <laughs> Agree with God. Look at these words from Hosea. The prophet says, return to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. And we're all saying, I know it. Amen. Look at the next two words. Take words. What do I do next? You've put your finger on the sin. What do I do next? Take words with you and return to the Lord. He's right there in the front room. You invited him in the door. Say this. Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. And then from the psalmist, Psalm 51 David, a man broken by sin, and God put his finger on him to the prophet Hosea and said, you are the man. You got to deal with this. And David prayed, have mercy on me, O God, according to your strict judgment. No way. David, guilty of his sin, appealed to his unfailing love. His great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Friends, your words of confession during these next few moments to the Lord are met in the loving, forgiving arms of Jesus. Don't be afraid to be honest. He already knows. He already knows. I invite you now in these next few moments just to take a posture of your soul of humility. You may want to kneel in, in the pew or the aisles where you are or in one of the other aisles where there's more space. You don't have to. I'm just saying you follow the posture of your soul. You may say, I don't feel humble. Well, you know, your head doesn't have to lead and your heart doesn't have to lead. Maybe your body should lead. Maybe you should take the posture of humility on your knees or on your face before the Lord. The most important thing is that you just take words and are honest with the Lord. 
We're going to take some time right now, some space, because we have time. We're in chapel. We have space. It's in our schedule. For you now, having heard his voice, to agree with him. The song we're going to sing will put those words in your mouth. You may have other words that you want. You use this time as you need to, to talk with Jesus. And unload, unburden yourself, and receive the bath of his love. Please stand.
hear the good news. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sisters and brothers, through Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. It is well with our souls. You may be seated. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll,